You're listening to Creative Capes by Future London Academy. Honest conversations with designers, entrepreneurs and innovators. Sit back, relax and enjoy. Hello dear futurists, design leaders and creative thinkers from around the world. I'm Ekaterina from Future London Academy and today I will be joined by Robin and Campbell Butler, co-founders of Love Work Studio, a new branding and experience design agency based in Brisbane, Australia. Before founding Love Work, Campbell was a creative director of Design Studio London and design director at Warfallins. Robin also worked at Brandcap, freelancing boutique studios like Dragon Rouge and internally at Sky. They hold international awards, including DNAD Pansov, Transform Awards, and Ken Lyons. In today's conversation, we discuss why logos should be ugly, how to present your ideas to clients in an unconventional way, and what are the key ingredients of a strong brand. We also laugh a lot during this chat and share some really personal stories, so I hope you'll enjoy it. If you want to see our faces, check out the video version of this interview on our YouTube channel at Future London Academy. Enjoy. Hello. Hello. How are you guys doing? Very good, thank you. Before we start with all these tough questions, I wanted to do our round of 10 rapid fire questions. How do you feel? I'm ready. Ready, that's good. That's what I want to hear. Uh, Robin, you ready as well? Yeah, I'm ready. Okay, then I'll ask each of you one just to make it fun. So Robin, coffee, tea or beer? Coffee. Not at this time, though. <laughs> <laughs> Campbell, London or Brisbane? Oh, Brisbane. Question to you, Robin. Professional achievement you are the most proud of? I think working with the David Parr House, uh, just a little tiny museum in, in, uh, in Cambridge. And question to both of you, but Campbell first. Uh, what is your favourite branding project you ever worked on? Oh, this is challenging because there's probably some people listening in. Um, <laughs> who've worked on them with me. I would, I would have to say that um, Riot Games LEC, which was, which was basically, I don't know if you know League of Legends, but it's a big computer game. And um, we were redesigning at Design Studio, the, the eSport for it. And it was just so much fun because we got to go into a world that I like, I like which is gaming, um, and understand about this amazing community. So. I, I think it was it was that mostly because of the incredible community that we hadn't really thought of before, and then entering that world and, and designing something in that space was was just so fun. And Robin, what would be your favorite project? I think I, I mentioned it before. It's the David Parr House, and they um they're this tiny little museum in Cambridge. This tiny, teeny little little house, and a workers' cottage, um, and David Parr. I had, had you know gleaned lots of ideas from from different arts and craft craft um professionals and i just loved being able to to work on that and and learning how to glean ideas in the way he did so i think that's amazing thank you for answering questions i know i put you on the spot and it's incredibly tough to answer these questions so thank you and now we can chill a little bit and slow down a little bit and dive into stories and ideas and thoughts. And obviously you, you build both incredible careers, very different, working on different projects, finding your own paths and passions, which is so important uh, to find what works for you and what you enjoy doing. And it felt like you did all the right things and ended up in all the right places. 
So eventually, after all these experiences with uh, agencies and companies and brands, you're now starting uh, your own company, which is a, a new chapter and a new adventure and uh, a difficult one for anyone to start their own design studio. But for two of you, considering you also live together and <laughs> now, now everything is together. So how does this feel? And was it a difficult decision to, to start a company together? We always wanted to start a studio. And actually, I think we would have started a studio earlier if we hadn't had lots of fantastic opportunities that came up. So, you know, Robin was a design director at, at a brand cap and then I was a design director at Wolf Hollands, and then, you know, I went on to become creative director at Design Studio. So they were just fantastic opportunities that kept coming. I think if those opportunities didn't, um, hadn't kept presenting themselves, then, you know, you think about it, you go, oh, what do you want to do? Or we might get frustrated and you go, oh, just start up my own thing. So I think probably we would have, we could have done it earlier, um, but we didn't do it earlier. And, I, and I'm glad that we didn't in a lot of ways because I think, I think my experience at Design Studio in particular over the last four years was so um, instrumental in, in learning how to manage multiple projects, how to, how to kind of work with really talented people, how to kind of, you know, speak to, to clients and senior leaders on a very kind of one-to-one -one basis. So I think that, that grounding that I had at Design Studio was like, was perfect for setting, setting up a business. Um, and I think there's going to there's there's loads of like really cool branding agencies and studios that have come out from Design Studio. I think because of the culture there and that it creates this really incredible environment where you just you work on loads of stuff and you're you're really exposed to um, these incredible businesses. So had a good founding, and then we were like, it's time to do it. And then we had to make a choice: were we going to do it in the in the UK? or where we're going to do it um, in uh, Australia. And I think realistically, I think it, you've got to really look at if you're starting a, like a, a studio that you want to kind of do something with, um, you've got to look at five year plus um, outlook. And we were thinking, do we spend another five years in the UK right now, given the fact that we've just been in, you know, three months of that stage in COVID, um, under complete lockdown, um, Brexit's happening and, and a load of, you know, horrible stuff going on in the UK, as you guys are all painfully aware. And on top of that, we need to be, come back to our, for our family, like our, yeah, our grandparents and the, the children, parents especially, and, um, being able to have, uh, have thanks to all the grandparents who've been doing a lot of helping out in the last couple of, couple of, <laughs> couple of weeks. Shout out to them. That's true. That's true. <laughs> I think I think they're angling. We're actually we're actually at mum and dad's place right now. Um, so <laughs> I think they're kind of angling for us to like get out of here as soon as they can, <laughs> but they're too polite to say. I love it. And uh, I, I love your whole journey. And I feel like you're right, all these experiences that you had, whether it's working for Sky or working on the brand side or working on the agency side uh, or freelancing or working design studio Wolf Orleans gave you so much perspective to now build a company that will understand all these different angles from working with freelancers to being a creative director to working with a client, which is incredible. And um, I would love to dive more into all of your insights and things that you actually saw during your career. 
um, how the branding industry has been changing um, and what branding as a, as a term and as a discipline, uh, how that changed. So do you have any sort of, do you feel like there were certain stages in terms of branding throughout this uh, time? And where are we now with branding? What would you say uh, is now important for all of us to know about branding? When we started um, at university, we went to a corporate identity course. And that was all about designing a logo on a piece of stationery or on the side of a truck. And, and there was no super graphics or anything. It was literally just the logo and typography. Um, and, um, and, and that was about it. it was, the layout was very important. The craft was really important. Um, you know, getting everything perfect. But, but that was it. And that was corporate identity. And that was kind of capturing, you know, that was about as far as it kind of went when we, when we were learning it um, in university. But then I, I think it was actually Wolf Ollens that actually led the way here, like about 20, well, almost 20 years ago, when they actually started using a term that was used for tin cans, this idea of branding. It wasn't just the, it wasn't just the logo or the symbol. It's actually like everything around that, that experience of that product. And maybe we could take some of that thinking and apply that to corporate businesses, which is when they started to kind of make that transformation. In, and that's when that word branding came out. Probably about 10 years ago, websites had gone through this massive boom. Do you remember this kind of, and then, uh, you know, they'd been through this boom, they'd been through a crash and they started coming back again, but in a much more sophisticated way. Um, a much like a, a, a digital design and digital technology became a thing. Um, and uh, digital had this massive influence on, on, on branding um, in general. So suddenly people were like, oh, it's a totally different game. We're no longer designing for stationary and trucks and planes and, and, and printed in environment. And we now need to consider the digital environment um, equally. And then gradually there was a shift into actually it's all about the digital environment and the other stuff is kind of, you know, you, you do that sometimes. So there's been this massive shift towards digital experience design that has kind of pulled through, um, you know, has been pulled through. I mean, I even saw on um, Koto's new website, um, they're talking around this intersection between branding and digital. And I, and I think um, a lot of the really cool agencies out there right now um, like Design Studio and, and, and you know, um, OMSI and, you know, Ragged Edge and like these other ones, they're, they're really positioning themselves in um, having a really fantastic understanding of um, the digital world, but having a really fantastic idea of, of capturing the spirit and the energy of a company. And if you can bring those things together, do them coherently and consistently, then you have an incredibly powerful um, brand image. I think very likely that word branding is going to die soon. Um, someone will come up with a new term um, and, and, and we'll be onto something different. But right now we're kind of still using branding to describe a lot of things. I love it. And uh, I, I, I'm, I, I agree with you. I think the words and the language changes so much in the industry. And uh, yeah, the world of brand identities and logos and now it's branding and who knows, maybe the next word will be spirit of a company and um, or some other word we never heard of. <laughs> I like vibe. I use vibe. What's vibe. the vibe? <gasps> Designing the vibe. Imagine your job yeah, is chief vibe, vibe designer. I think it's a better way to describe it because it's so like, 
a theory of what you're kind of doing. You're getting some kind of, you know, spirit, brand, personality stuff. You're getting like some visual stimulus and you have to put it all together and, you know, across a whole plethora of different channels and touch points. So sort of, I think yes. Love Work Studio will be the vibe agency, essentially. That's <laughs> I think it's, yeah. and I, could, I actually feel like what's very unique about both of you, um, even in the name of your company, but clearly in your relationship as well, is you have a big emotional side to everything you design. Um, and uh, again, you yeah. named your company Love Work, so clearly you think about the feelings and the the vibe and uh, all the other things that are very important when we think about companies and brands and how do we relate to them, what kind of emotions they um, they give us. So um, I would love to talk a little bit about your process of creating those amazing vibes and, and brands uh, that you both worked on. And um, I suppose let's start first with um, the, the different um, stages and chapters. And uh, I, I love, obviously, we, we're working now together on this Branding Now course, which I'm so excited about. So um, I, I already had a glimpse in your incredible process. But for everyone who is not aware, what are the main stages currently that you consider of your branding process, if you could uh, go through them? I was like, I think there's three main major chunks that you've got to get right with, um, with, a, with, a, with a brand or a rebrand. Um, I think there's the story, what kind of, um, you know, what's sitting at the heart that you can come back to, this consistent story that you tell over and over again. Um, what's the, um, the symbol or the symbols, those like iconic things that stick in your mind? So, you know, in a religious sense, they've been around for, you know, thousands of years, the cross, the crescent, you know, these symbols that you just like, they're actually etched in your brain. That symbol is so critical as a critical factor within the um, any kind of brand. And then there's um, the last one. This is the biggest one actually, and, and, and the most complicated. This is the system. How, what are all those other elements and things that you have to stitch together to create some incredible um, brand experience for customers? And how do you do it? Um, and that, that encompasses a whole kind of, whole bunch of different elements. So logo, of course, but the typeface, the color, the photography, the art direction style, the illustration, the tone of voice, the grid system, the layout system, the animation and interaction principles, the sonic, the sound, all of this stuff needs to stick together and feel like it comes from the same place. Um, and you do that by being very rigorous and systematic with how you put that thing together. Um, and you know that's why you have to have really fantastic brand guidelines, but also really simple ones. Um, and you need to give um, people fantastic tools that can create, you know, these really amazing living brands that, um, you know, we, we see coming out of Wolf Hollands and Design Studio and and a whole bunch of other brand uh, companies that are out there. The the three chapters that you described, the, the story, the symbol, the, the system, I feel like it's such a beautiful and visual way as well to uh, to talk about what brands look like. And uh, I suppose um, traditionally um, maybe people focus too much on a system or on, a, or on just a symbol, but I love the kind of the differentiation between the three. And I love that you didn't use the word strategy. Another S there did not happen, um, which I feel like is the better way because it's such a misleading word. Uh, when you say the word strategy, it can mean anything and everything. Uh, and saying things like story or system actually defines much more 
what we are talking about. But let's talk about the process of creating this uh, lovely story and symbol and uh, system and specifically a couple of things that I suppose um, I definitely felt like is, are very different about the way you approach it and you approach the design studio as well as uh, you two kind of the way you describe your process. And let's start with the first part, which is immersion. And again, I think design studio was very famous for it. And Robin, you love talking about authenticity and kind of bringing the ideas. So, um, do you, Robin, do you like to talk a little bit more about how do you start and kind of come up with ideas where you get inspiration? What's this first initial immersion? Uh, how do you approach it? I think it's it's about starting to really feel like you work within the company, but you're also a customer, and you're also you're seeing you're seeing the same company from all all angles. And so, how do you how do you make sure that you're that you're experiencing those things? So we jump into the tools, we do some desk research, we um, make sure we you know use use products that have have turns of different things, try out different different ways. Um, but I think like David Parr and the David Parr house, his his approach was this idea of gleaning and 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 so when when you can take on board the spirit of um, the company or the the organizations, the way they're doing it themselves and and use that as part of your process, I think that is critical. Yeah, that's when you capture those little little things. Those little moments. Those little insights. It's by just immersing yourself in that world. And that's, yeah, that's absolutely where you find that little nugget, that little thing where you're just like, oh, do you know what? That's really interesting. Maybe you should build your whole brand around that. I think you mentioned that you sometimes even go and work in the companies or sit in the in the companies and spend a day with the, the teams. How does that work? Definitely, definitely at Design Studio, that's like what we would do. And often we would off offer the same service back to the team. So we would kind of go there, we would, you know, we'd fly there, we would kind of embed ourselves in that world to understand what the, what the, um, what's going on there. And we would work with their teams. We would kind of, you know, do stuff with them side by side. And there's no better way to kind of find out what their internal capabilities are internally at that company, but also um, just to, you know, enjoy being with them because they're going to be the people that roll it out um, in the end. I think um, we also do the, the flip side where we actually invite clients into, would, would invite them into Design Studio and, and you know, line up a desk there and work alongside them, particularly for digital design projects where you need lots of really close collaboration at all times. You kind of need to do it as a very kind of cohesive um, team um, in a physical space. Um, but we also um, do that in a digital environment as well. And I think um, at DS the last year of work was completely remote um, using, you know, fantastic digital collaborative tools to um, work together um, in, in real time. And it's quite fun seeing like 30 curses picking up, you know, things and moving stuff around, you know, in a massive like online collaborative workshop. That's brilliant. And um, I, I love the idea of understanding kind of the, the culture. I suppose it serves two, two parts. First is obviously understanding what the company is like and what the internal processes and uh, what the spirit of the company and capturing all these tiny things that you might not see from the website and from desk research and everything else will do. But also the, the secondary kind of mission of that is also building rapport with the people 
who you will be um, having this project with and building the project with, which actually can make or break a project if you don't have the right relationship with a client, then none of your decisions kind of matter because they don't have the trust and they don't, and you might not have like the understanding uh, of where they're coming from as well. So I love this kind of idea of very empathic approach to, to research, not just kind of your like close yourself in a cave with inspiration, but also um, be out there and uh, actually learn more about the people, not just the company. Um, how do you capture all of that? Because again, that probably is so much information that, uh, again, I, I can't even imagine how you start structuring all of that. You see, is there any, any way that you found very helpful to, to put it together? There's actually a bunch of different tools that different agencies use and, and have used over time to kind of build a bit of a picture and, and an insight um, on, on, a on, on a company. I think it's really, it's really important to, you know, when you're doing a research phase and you're immersing yourself in the world, you generate so much stuff. Now, it's really important that you don't just present that stuff back to the client because that is useless. Um, and um, really a whole role of like a, a strategist within an organisation is to synthesise that information into something that is simple, powerful and meaningful. So you've got to put that stuff into some buckets. Um, and I think those buckets... Um, are, are, you know, are, are pretty obvious, actually. It's like internal company. What is it that's kind of unique and interesting about this company? Put some stuff in there that kind of helps them to see it. You know, maybe there's something really interesting within their, um, the way that they work or, or their internal culture. You know, put something in there which is about teamwork, it's about them understanding you know, how they kind of work that's really dis different because they don't know because they're working there. But when you come in, you can go, oh, this is weird. Like when we went in, into one football and, um, they're, um, and they're based in Berlin and we didn't know how many employees were there. We got in the door and we're like, there's 200 people working here. And they had all of their desks set up in different countries. And we're like, wow. This is so super unique. You've got all these different people creating news for all these different countries in the world, and they're all set up with their flags and, you know, set up like they're like a mini country inside this business. We're like, this is unique, like this international culture that you've fostered. So you take that and you chuck it into the culture bucket. Um, I think other one that's really important is like the outside world. Um, you know, what's going on? Um, outside of that business, what context are they in? So what are, you know, what's going on around it? It might be that, I don't know, cryptocurrency is just absolutely booming right now. And, and that's what's leading to this kind of massive, you know, resurgence of fintech everywhere. But what happens in two months time? So, you know, maybe, you know, you might take some sort of, you might take some sort of like nugget and, and put that into the context bucket. Other obvious ones like the customer, you know, you need to talk about people's people, you know, about their customers, you know, <laughs> who they are. Like you've got to know as much as you can about those customers, but you don't have to know everything. That's for sure. And you also, um, you need to be quite clear about who the brand is aiming at. Do they have a core user group? Because, you know, a lot of brands, particularly techie brands, they always say, oh, we want to talk to everyone. We want to, we want to appeal to everyone. You're like, yeah, but none of those techie brands got to appeal to everyone 
by saying we want to appeal to everyone, they went, oh, we're going to target this group. So if it's like Apple, they targeted really cool people who um, who are like edgy. You know, they did that PC and that Apple campaign. They didn't go, we're going to just conquer the world. They went, no, we're going to just target the cool people and then we're going to kind of, you know, push our brand towards them. They also targeted education as well, which was absolutely genius, you know, providing all those education packages. But I think there's, you know, you've got to really help them to dissect and really work out who their core audience is as well. And I think, you know, put it into this kind of really kind of clear, oh, competition. Yeah, who who's out there that's like looks the same as you? And, and often a lot of brands are just sitting in a space where they just are completely copying everybody else. Um, there's a fancy word for it, something like a, a wormhole or a portal or a, some sort of spinny thing that goes around stuff. Um, like that, the watch industry is, um, is a classic one, the watch industry where everyone just ended up doing exactly the same thing. You put George Clooney up there with a watch and the job's done. And so they all did it. They had slight variations of George Clooney with the watch. And, um, and, and you end up, and, and you end up creating the same thing and so no one's standing out. So there's an opportunity. So again, you can take that insight and go, maybe we should, you know, not have someone that looks like George Clooney. Maybe we should have someone that looks like, I don't know, like someone else cool. Or you might say, stop using a celebrity altogether. So uh, um, I, I love this approach of kind of understanding the different aspects of research from competitors to the, the internal culture to the customers. And I think this is so crucial to see all these aspects. Um, and I, again, we can probably talk more about this stage for for another hour. That's probably why we, we, we are working on the course, because it doesn't happen in two minutes. But I would love to move to another very important part that I suppose is very again, for me, very stood out about your approach is how you present things. And I think, again, both Wolf Orleans and Design Studio, and both of you are very uh, known for understanding how to present things to the clients to make sure that uh, they, they love it. And I've heard that from the clients as well. I've heard the feedback that they loved your presentations. Uh, so I know it is true, um, but it's also a very challenging thing because as you said, uh, just presenting a lot of stuff to the clients is never helpful for what is this right balance. Um, and I don't know if you wanna share the story that you briefly shared with me about presenting something as a dance, but uh, that's uh... <laughs> That was, that was, that was not me. That was James Hurst. So <laughs> that was James Hurst. So I think he's actually he's actually head of brand at Pinterest now. He was um he was creative director at Design Studio, um, and I kind of overlapped with me for about nine months. And um, he was really inspirational for me because what what he he did is he was just did everything differently. Every single meeting, he would come in and go, "Why, hey guys." why don't we do this as a doctor's surgery? And he would like set everything up, you know, as a doctor's surgery, put a skeleton in there. And then, you know, and, we, and then, they, then, we, then we do a brand workshop with, um, you know, this health business. And they're kind of looking at this skeleton and the doctor, and we're all dressed up in lab coats where, you know, it's really, it's, what's really great about that. And what's, I think is really, really important about uh, that approach is your, you're taking people out of PowerPoint presentations or keynote presentations 
and you're taking them into the real, into a, well, into a weird world, into a, into a different <laughs> world, which is where brands live. Um, so you're taking them out of that context. I mean, so there's lots of ways to do that. I mean, Alex, who's current um, ECD at Design Studio, did, led, led this company on, led, led this um, company that was about real estate on this kind of roaming Instagram journey through the Barbican. And I think, you know, seeing that kind of stuff, is just really super inspirational, you know. It's like, oh, that's how we should be talking around brands. It's in the real world, doing interesting things, not necessarily always doing PowerPoint presentations. Although I love doing presentations. So okay. do I, I, I'm, I'm crying right now from laughter just because uh, I can't imagine presenting something to a client as a as a surgery or as a dance and uh, seeing the faces <laughs> of the clients and and how they. They react. I, I want to dive into another controversial topic as well that we discussed before, which is ugly logos, or rather <laughs> make, making them intentionally ugly. Um, well, do you want to talk some, about this? I mean, at, at Wolf Ollens, I would often say, you know, ugly is good because um, if it's really nice, if you look at that mark and that symbol, you kind of put it up there, you're trying to design a new logo, say, for like, you know, I don't know, a big, a big company. And you put it up and you go, gee, that looks nice, that looks great. It's been done, it's been absolutely done and you're just comfortable with it. You just like it because you've seen it a million times. So you've got to really, you've really got to push yourself to do something that actually makes you feel uncomfortable for it to really be different and, and new. So you've got to get used to looking at stuff that is just random or weird or a bit uncomfortable before you're going to create anything that is, um, you know, is the next 2012 Olympic logo. You know, you've really got to look at that. So I think I, I always say if it's not ugly, like, you know, do something that is because, like, it's good potential that, you know, you're actually um, just doing, you're copying stuff that's already exists out there. I, I think this is such a brilliant concept because uh, if we think of the, psychology behind the beauty or something that uh, we like or don't like it is to do with familiarity so yes uh, if if something looks nice that means it's familiar that means it exists well if something looks ugly that means it's something new that you just not uh, adjusted it, to it yet uh, and i have to say a lot of um, branding projects that are the most famous like uh, 2020 uh, no, 20 what was it? 2012 Olympics, uh, as well as the, the Deliveroo logo. I think Deliveroo logo has been discussed uh, so much. Uh, I remember when it came out and the, this uh, poor kangaroo that uh, was, I don't know, picked apart because uh, it wasn't the, the most handsome kangaroo in the world. And I think Design Studio also published all the sketches and everyone's like, look at other sketches. They're like much nicer versions of kangaroo. Why did you pick like this really weird one. Uh, and I have to say, at the point when it came out, it did look weird. And now I, I, I understand it was genius because it does look like a different, it's not your typical, nice, rounded, kind of boring uh, logo. It's actually strong, it's different, it's, different, it's bold. Uh, and that's why it's still relevant. It doesn't look like it's a five or 10 year old logo. It looks like it's now. Um, I love this approach. I think uh, definitely something for, for myself to consider whenever I look at something. If it's ugly, 
that's good that's new that's <laughs> fresh um let's think and, about it and um, sometimes if it's ugly it's just ugly but that's where <laughs> that's where it's hard to like differentiate yeah i wonder where they so do you have any sort of guidance around like when ugly is ugly and when ugly is new yeah yeah fit i mean it's got to be um it's still got to work it's got to fit with the brand that you're designing something for there has to be some level of fit some some link to um that that brand that it, you, you know you're designing something for it can't be just random for the sake of random because that's another big mistake that people make when they're creating creating something because they might just do like the coolest edgiest design but it's just completely irrelevant for that brand or that context that it lives in so you've also got to make sure that what you're designing um particularly when it comes to logos is um so it's distinctive that's the bit of un slightly unusual it's slightly distinctive but it also works um in you know for that brand it represents something to do with that brand ideally um it doesn't have to but ideally it does and the other one is that it, um practical reasons um and there's a lot more design kind of being driven by practical reasons right now. So it needs to work super tiny and it needs to work really big and it needs to animate. So if you can kind of cover off all of those things, you've got like a killer symbol, but of course that's where the, the thousands of versions come from when you're creating a kind of a powerful symbol and, and it's really hard to do it. Um, I agree. I think that it all sounds very simple and very easy. And when you start doing it, it suddenly becomes um, very complicated. And uh, this, as they say, simplicity is uh, something that is very hard to achieve. And something that looks simple is actually probably was put more thought than in something that looks very difficult. Um, I, I'm just conscious that we've soon run out of time, but I wanted to touch on the last subject of this conversation, which is the end of the project or rather the beginning of the the end uh, which is the launch uh, and uh, how you should approach launch because again i feel like that's something that you both feel very passionate about and uh, at your previous companies again you also talked a lot about how to prepare your client your audience your stakeholders for the launch because it will have a lot of pushback because any change is different. So do you want to talk a little bit about any top advice when you're launching this big rebrand that might look ugly to some people, might uh, be controversial, how to go about it? So when launching, I mean, you always go, I always encourage companies to go as, as hard as possible, make it as big as possible. Because if you ever get stuck into like an evolutionary rollout approach, everything just looks terrible the whole time for just months and months and months. And eventually someone goes, why are we doing this? And then they finally fix everything up. You see it kind of come out 12 months later and you're like, oh, thank goodness they're now doing it properly. But you've wasted so much time. You haven't got that excitement or that energy. You haven't had created any conversation out there in the world. So you've got to launch really big and really confidently. Now, when you do that, yep, you're gonna get reaction, you always do. There's always haters out there. You've got to expect those haters and just not worry about them. Because like I was saying before, if you're doing anything different, it's gonna shock people, they're gonna hate it. They're gonna say straight away, I hate it. But then a week later, they're gonna go, oh, actually, it's not better than I thought it was. Actually, it's pretty good. Or it works for, it's fit for purpose. Yeah, or it's fit for purpose. Oh, I looks good actually, I like that now. And But they never then tweet and say, oh, by the way, I was wrong. 
I was wrong <laughs> and it's really cool. <laughs> they just go, they say, oh yeah, I really bad mouth that. But I think I always encourage clients to say, hey, when you launch that new brand out there in the world, don't worry, you'll get a bunch of hate for the first half day or a day, but then it goes. That conversation's gone, that's dead. And then the results speak for themselves. So I also think it's a question of authenticity here. And if, if you've done everything authentically throughout the rest of the process, when you get to this point, everyone internally is so confident and comfortable um, in themselves that there is no amount of external hate can, can knock it down. Yeah, exactly. They're convinced. They're convinced and they're behind it. Because it's authentic, yeah. That's, that's great advice. And I think, again, it, it, it's better to be prepared. And I think when you're psychologically prepared that you will have this feedback and that's what will happen if you pre prepare the client, then obviously that feedback is easier to digest. But still, it must be hard. And uh, I would love to hear both of your opinions. I'm sure throughout your careers you had a terrible, terrible feedback about your work, uh, whether it was from the public and from the audience or whether it was internally, uh, someone said, you know what, that's, that looks like shit. What, <laughs> do, you, do you remember the worst feedback or the weirdest feedback that you got? Maybe the weirdest is the, the right word uh, that you've got. And uh, how do you, uh, I suppose, talk to yourself or what, what kind of thinking process do you have when you like, yeah, thanks for that. Oh. I think um I think we're our own worst worst critics to be honest. So that's true. So um sometimes sometimes we think it's all going to be hate from from outside and and actually it's love and that's quite unusual. Like we don't expect that. Um, yeah. So I think that that for me is surprising. That's definitely true. I don't, yeah, I try not to dwell on the people kind of hating it. And I also, I also, I love to think like, oh, what, what would you have done? I always think, I'm always thinking that as well. I'm like, How, would you have been able to improve upon this? Like, please try. You go through the process and see if you'd come out with something, you know, something is anywhere near as good as this, I think. And, and the reality is that a lot of people saying that stuff have never done a significant rebrand with all the constraints of a massive brand rolling it out. And the constraints drive the design so hard. And actually, you've got to work 10 times as hard within those constraints to create something that's good. Um, and if you can create something that's brilliant within that constraints, then you've done something like amazing. So, so you've got to not worry too much about um, some of that feedback. I think there's where I would be like, oh, that one hurts me, is when I've known there's something not quite right with, that hasn't been addressed with the design or, the, or haven't been able to address it because of a budget reason or because of something silly that happened and someone highlights it and it's like, I'm always like, oh, it's so annoying that the rest of the world could see that that kerning of that typeface or whatever it was deep down within the system was off you know and it's like i knew that but i couldn't fix it because it's too expensive you know i couldn't <laughs> i call for the i couldn't get the client i couldn't convince the client to spend forty thousand pounds to fix that typeface <laughs> and that's another thing is that people think that it's like 
that people think that it's like um, just up to the designer, but it's not. It's actually this collaboration between the two mm. and a whole bunch of money that has to go into it as well. I guess it's understanding what what how what part you're responsible for and what part is collaborative responsibility. So it's, it's interesting. Do you, do you remember the the worst I suppose time when that like something like that really hurt you? And or maybe uh, maybe you just didn't get the praise one. I don't know. Like it, basically, you had a very very bad day. It's really bad. You feel like you're not really a great designer or whatever else going on in your head. And how did you get yourself out of that dark place? Yeah, I mean, the darkest times are not ever on launch because I think you're so thankful that your brand is out there no matter what. <laughs> yeah. So it's it's almost just like yeah. Even though it's not 100% perfect, you're like, got it out. Yes. You know, I'm all, you know, it's always exciting. But there was one time when um, we launched um, LEC, um, which, like yeah. <laughs> yeah. When, when um, the feedback was, no, I get it, I get it. Okay, all right. I can't tell that story. I can't tell that story. Anyway, people at Design Studio know what happened. <laughs> okay there is a story yeah, it felt bad <laughs> yeah you can go on the course you can go on the course to find out those horrible stories That's <laughs> horrible stories i love it but how do you get out out of that um like whatever happened some bad things happen you feel horrible terrible terrified that your life is ruined right now or your career is ruined i don't know whatever else like how what do you do next what's your next 24 hours look like I make soup, which is weird. <laughs> or scones. <laughs> like, do something, do something really chill. Go back to the basics. That's yeah. That's my, that's my advice. I was, and I, I always say to the design team, because it's, it's, I always feel bad because it's often, you know, it's not just, it's or the whole team's worked on this thing. I would say just pixels. It's literally just pixels on a screen. <laughs> on a page at the end of the day, like at least we're not like a brain surgeon. And that just pulls the pressure right out. And it's like, yeah, they have been getting very excited about those pixels. Fantastic, well done, everyone's excited about them. Um, so you can always pull back, but you know, it's, it is challenging, it is challenging. It's a great reminder, I, I love it. And I, I agree with you, it's very difficult to, to have that boss mentality in one hand to, to remember there's just pixels and seriously like no one died but on another hand have the passion for those pixels when you do need them to be the best uh, and so how to switch from that passion you just felt the day before about the best pixels you can create and the next day you need to just chill and feel like ah, it's, it's just just something it's it's it will pass um it's hard uh, but thanks for sharing your thoughts i really appreciate it and unfortunately we're out of time i wish we had many more hours together but i'm really excited because we will have many more hours together uh, and uh, your course starts in june and uh, i'm excited i will be attending it as well uh, as well as many many people that already signed up for it so uh, i think it will be a great crowd uh, and to learn your branding process and learn not just the process itself, but also how you work with the team, how you uh, talk with the stakeholders, how you present things. I think these things, what makes branding or brands great, not just your beautiful typography, not just uh, whatever ideas you had in your head, but actual 
very difficult process of putting things together and launching it. So I'm super excited and I feel like it will be an incredible time together. Uh, before I let you go, I have last question for you. Uh, if you could go back uh, five years back and uh, give yourself advice, and I'm asking both of you, so think of answers for each of yourself. Uh, if you could give yourself advice five years ago that would save you a lot of time, energy, money, whatever that is, stress, um, what would you tell yourself? Maybe get a garden. That's meaningful. Like, do you like garden and cooking? Just go get back to basics and, and do life. As well. do life <gasps> love it oh let's finish on do life uh, that's a great advice for, for all of us uh, let's do life um and it's friday evening so we should all do more life today and on the weekend uh thank you both so much for joining and it was such a wonderful conversation and if you're not following love works tv yet they just started their instagram so let's do an extra push and give them all the followers and all the love and that they that they deserve and uh, that all the amazing work that will be coming out very soon you'll be the first ones to see so definitely follow them uh anywhere else that people should find you or connect with you instagram, no. instagram is going to be the main channel i think it's i use that for like messaging people and stuff as well so um instagram's the one Wonderful. Well, um, it was a pleasure and enjoy the rest of your night. I know it's very late in Australia now. Um, and uh, thanks everyone uh, for joining. I hope to see you all at uh, Branding Now course very soon. And uh, if you want more conversations, follow Future Learn Academy. We'll have more wonderful interviews and talks and fun and laughs uh, next week. And uh, until next time. Bye guys. Bye. Thanks for listening. And I hope you enjoyed this conversation. If you want to join one of these interviews in the future and ask your questions, follow us on Instagram. We are at Future London Academy. We are doing live chats weekly with some of the most inspiring people in the industry. So prepare your questions and see you there. If you want to learn from these people about how they work with clients and approach projects in more depth, join one of our courses at Future London Academy, taught by the best of the best in the world of design and innovation. And if you're ever in London, come in for a coffee. We love meeting new people. Thanks again and until next time.